We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugo. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me, at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. I am still verified. Shout out to Elon. Uh, also, shout out to our YouTube subscribers, Seahawks Man, the number two man on YouTube. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate the love. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Chris, talk to him. What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CKID206. Also, tell Mike for our YouTube viewers to take them damn swim goggles off his goddamn face, man. I'm loving my, my look with the glasses and the do-rag. <laughs> everybody on YouTube can, can see, you know, I can't see anything in these so i'm actually gonna <laughs> take these off uh <laughs> what an ass man Can't what an ass damn thing in them them cheap ass glasses that i got from the dollar store the dollar store by the way that we're not everything is just a dollar no more dollar 25 baby yeah, i went in there i went in there to get like some water or something i forget what i needed either way i was expecting that to be a dollar and it was not you know she was like one yeah 125 so i said excuse me this is the yeah dollar. they they lying now so when they do that shit <laughs> <laughs> uh i think over the summer if i'm if i'm not mistaken how you change the prices at the dollar store it, it, what <laughs> it threw, threw me off uh sorry anyway uh we're seahawks lost um <laughs> to the Raiders uh, in overtime it was actually a very entertaining game like objectively uh, fun as hell man yeah very like if I didn't care who won, I mean, I really don't, but you got you know what I mean. Uh, like, if I was just there to watch football, it'd be, that, was a, that was a very fun game. Uh, big plays on defense, big plays on offense. It's just a lot of, a lot of good stuff. Uh, 40 to 34 is the final. The Seahawks are six and five. And just like that, they are out of the playoff picture. Um, not that it matters, there's six games left, but yeah, six and five, they have the eighth best record um, right now in the NFC. Yeah. Every team in the NFC East is in the playoffs right now, uh, which is pretty crazy. That probably won't hold true because I think a lot of these teams have to play each other again. Um, And I think in the case of Washington and Dallas – or excuse me, Washington and the Giants, they have to play each other twice um, remaining. So some of that will even out, which is why I don't think it's that big of a deal. However, it just shows you how quickly things can change when you put together one or two bad performances in a row. 
um, which is what the Seahawks have have done. And you guys know, listening to the show with me and Chris, we're not really big old. Your record is everything, just like in a vacuum. I do think that your uh, your point differential, as always, is is a lot more telling. Uh, at least in terms of predicting what's going to happen going forward. Where does Seahawks have in point differential right now? I need to check before we came on. Uh, let's see. Week 12. Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, see, they're, they're 12 uh, right now. They're, they're still plus 10, which means you're like a decent team. Unless you're the Jaguars, who are somehow have a better point differential than the Seahawks. Uh, plus 12. I don't. The Jags are... Just a very strange team. Uh, but I do think that at, at six and five, you know, I talked to some guys in the locker room as normal and um, they they were in generally good spirits. It kind of depends on the guy. You know, some people don't some guys don't want to do big picture after the game. They're just like, do extra questions so I can go home to my family or whatever. You know, some guys some guys are really willing, willing to just take a big step back. You know, it just depends on the dude. Um, you know, like Shelby was like, you know, like we, we got to fix some stuff, you know, but, you know, we got the guys you know, to, to get it done. Same thing with Cody Barton. He was like, he's like, man, I know today wasn't greatest, but you know, I feel good. You know, like I trust the guys. I know we're going to hold each other accountable and fix what needs to get fixed. I do think that was a very important thing for him, the word to use. Like guys are going to look at each other and say, Hey, this is wrong. We're going to fix it. And that really is just how you get, you get better screaming at each other and shit. Don't do anything. Although it can be, you know, uh, what's the word I want to use? Cathartic. Is that a word? Help me out. Cause that <laughs> word. I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> yeah, cathartic. Yeah. New providing, one for me. Providing psychological have. relief through the open, open expression of strong emotions. So yeah, cathartic. Here we go. Hey, word of the day. Um, but some guys just like, man, look, we six fives, whatever. We just need to beat whoever's on the schedule next week and focus on that. You know, DK is good for that. I didn't talk to him today. I didn't even see him in the locker room. Um, but he's usually good for that. You get my point. Uh, but generally speaking, no panic in there. More just frustration, disappointment. No one wants to lose on the, the game winner. You know, that that hurts, uh, you know, watching somebody go 86 yards uh, to beat you. But I do think, Chris, at six and five, put it this way, why they are six and five, there are some things that concern me. And we'll get to some of it in the questions that people ask. But I do think, to the to go to the defensive side first, Chris. They don't get a pass rush on anybody, <laughs> and that's yeah. We, that's a that, that that's a little bit of a problem. I usually do the stats a little later. You want to hear a stat though? Throw it to um, me. All right. So this is according to True Media. The Seahawks have faced over the last two weeks, small sample but a relevant sample, uh, sixty nine dropbacks in the past two weeks. They have in that span three quarterback hits. Just three. Max Crosby had five today. <laughs> you know, at, at least I think he did. Uh, I know he had five pressures. But either way, uh, three quarterback hits and 69 dropbacks. They have one sack in that span. And it came today when Puna Ford um, beat some right guard or whoever for a sack on Derek Carr. That I don't care what else your team does really well. That it can be a fatal flaw going for and you can see it you can see it against the Patriots or excuse me against the Bucks you can see it today against the the Raiders if you can't affect the quarterback like I don't think you need sacks all the time but you do need to hit them like if you can't affect the quarterback the the worst of the worst teams can get to you I don't care if they start in Zach Wilson uh, on the other side if you can't get to Zach Wilson 
he will throw touchdowns against you. I know it doesn't feel like he will because he got barbecued all last week, but he can, you know, the worst of the worst can can kill you. Uh, defensively, or no, excuse me, uh, offensively, Chris, for some reason, these guys just love sitting on the bench on third down, man. Like that is, I guess on fourth down, they be sitting down, but it's, it, and it's not like the numbers are really bad. You know, me and Chris, we, we checked this uh, before we came on. The Seahawks on third down are not – let me see. Let me double check these while we're on the air. They are 10th in third down conversion rate, like like the highest rate. That's 42%. Uh, That's really good. The league average is about 39%. So they are above average third down conversion team, even on third and long, you know, which is I think third and seven or longer is how that's defined. Uh, they're 12th, you know, at 27%. 27% is not great, uh, but – you know, it's like, again, it's above the league average. League average is 24%. So they're above average third and long team. Uh, real quick, Chris, you want to guess who's number one on third and long? On number offense? one and third and long? I'll be able to guess. I'll only give you one shot. Oh, thanks. I probably won't get it. Uh, you know what? Ooh, maybe the Eagles? That's a good guess. It is not. It's the Chiefs. Vikings. Oh, it's the Chiefs. Okay. Yeah, I'm giving give you one shot. You, you one can shot. give me one shot. Doesn't mean I'm just going to not throw out other teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, uh, on third and long, the Chiefs convert 48% of the time. And they all go to Travis Kelsey. That is an insane number of third down conversion rates on, on third and long. Anyway, so the Seahawks statistically are fine. But, I mean, you guys are watching the games. You can see what we're seeing. They're just not consistently moving the chains on third downs and – that's a and it can really, really hurt you. Uh, like today, for example, they were three of nine, right? They converted a third and one QB sneak, a third and one of that play action to Trav, uh, Travis, uh, which is really good play, and then a third and four on a long ball to DK. Another just really good play, three really good plays there, and then the other six failures are all third and five or longer. Pretty much those obvious passing situations, yeah. So you got obvious passing situations where you're not moving the sticks consistently and they have little lulls like that in these games. So you got Chris, a team that will have stretches where it can't stay on the field on third down. And then on, on defense, they're not affecting the quarterback that those are two reasons to be concerned. Like even if big picture is not panic buttony time, which I think is fair, you know, still a decent team going forward. Those two things that get you smoked in a, in a in a in a late in a late game against a competent team, not being able to affect the quarterback, and then uh, not being able to stay on the field on third down. Those two things, I'm I'm not I really can't overstate this enough. You can lose to the worst team in the league if you can't convert on third down and you can't affect the quarterback. So like yeah, Chris, why they're six and five right now? That's a little concern. Not even a little. That those two things are very concerning for me. Well, with the pass rush. You would think that – so a few years back, they were able to figure out, okay, we have to make a move and bring someone in to revamp the pass rush, and that was a Carlos Dunlap. Mm -hmm. This season, though, I get why they didn't because they have the talent. You look at this roster, and you've said this a couple of times, this roster definitely has the talent to go out there and have guys with six, seven sacks, Daryl Taylor – a guy will that is brought up in, with Twitter questions that hasn't really had this season that everyone has expected him to. Nuosu, he has had a up and down season. It's just consistency, right? 
And those two dudes alone, you would say they could give you seven and a half, maybe nine sacks in a season. While Nuosu is almost there, Daryl Taylor has not been that guy. You also look at maybe the defensive tackle position in Puna Ford, Al Wood. Those guys aren't going to get you sacks, but they definitely open up opportunities for other guys to get sacks. And you're just not seeing that consistency at that position at the, in the pass rush. And then you have to also think about, well, if you're not getting to the quarterback with four men, what about the blitz? We talked about it two weeks ago with the Bucks. They didn't even blitz my man Tom Brady in the first half. They were just like, nah, we're not going to even try Tom. And I get it. You want to see if your guys can get home. Because one thing that coming into that game that everyone knew was that they sucked at trying to run the football or just doing it all together. They were going to dink it, dunk it, and the Seahawks were prepared for that. But when they go out there and control the line of scrimmage and run the football the way they did, that just makes the game plan that much more harder for the defense to execute because now they're doing something that you didn't even plan for and they're whooping your ass at it. So now you're fighting another battle that you didn't expect to fight. And that kind of, not kind of, that did happen on Sunday against the Raiders. We're not getting beat by Devontae Adams. If I'm the Seahawks, that's what they were thinking. Devontae Adams is not going to cook us for, I think Deshaun said, uh, 10, 10 plus catches, 160 yards, and like two touchdowns. That didn't happen. But you know what did happen? Josh Jacobs just had a career night. And I've mm-hmm. tweeted out the the players that have had career nights against the Seahawks. There's a lot of players out in the league that have had career nights against the Seahawks. And they still got to go up against CMC, who found a new home with the 49ers. So if you're looking for someone to start, was that week 15? I'll give you a hint. If you got Christian McCaffrey, make sure he's playing. <laughs> but it, needless to say, again, against the Raiders, they had a game plan where they wanted to do one thing, which was slow down Devontae Adams, which is, I get it, but they regressed in the run game. Mm-hmm. The same problems that we have that we saw against the Buccaneers reared its ugly head again. Guys not filling run gaps, missing tackles, all that combined, and you have Josh Jacobs running for a career high and ending the game on a a huge run. And that is con- run for the win. That's crazy. Yeah, that it is crazy, but I'm not gonna lie. I could sense it. I, I really was thinking he's gonna pop one. I want to tweet it, but I also didn't want to be that asshole that puts that tweet out and then it happens. <laughs> and then everyone's like, Oh, you suck, Chris. Why would you why would you say that? Blah blah blah. So I just kept kept quiet. But I figured he was gonna break one. I didn't think it'd be an overtime. I was, you know, over in overtime, I'm thinking, oh, the Seahawks have a chance if they get the ball first. That didn't even matter because they had a chance. You can argue, oh, did DK make the catch? The ball was moving. If the ball is moving, that's not a completed catch. Someone hit me and was like, oh, the refs made two bad calls. I said, hey, the refs can't fill run lanes. And he was like, fair point. <laughs> so I, I'm bringing all that up to say that, yeah, that's one big problem is the pass rush. And when you your game plan is set to do something and a team does something completely different, that kind of falls on the coaching. Like they're preparing these guys to, to stop one thing and then the defense, the offense comes on and does something something else. Well, there needs to be a transition or a moment where you guys have time, a timeout where you guys collectively come together and figure out a way, okay, how can we slow this down? And they never figured it out. They really didn't. There was a fun stat that they on the on the TV broadcast where they talked about in the third quarter, Josh Jacobs goes crazy. Like his his yards per carry is like 7.1 in the third quarter. 
And you kind of saw that he just kept getting better as the game went on. And you usually that happens. Defenses get tired too. It's not as if these guys are energized throughout the whole game and they can maintain it, especially when they're on the field so much. They gave up 40 points today. And we talked about it off wax. Mike, you said, I mean, the Seahawks scored 34. There's no reason why they shouldn't have won this game. But when they can't get a pass rush, they can't stop the run, what is there left to do? And then another thing is, we're still waiting on that moment where Geno leads this team in the fourth quarter to a victory. Granted, that throw was low to DK. DK has to make that catch. You get both hands on it. You just gotta, you just gotta, you gotta catch the ball, man. And then that last play where it's third and ten, you're looking to pass it. Max Crosby just causes mayhem in the backfield. Not able to throw the football. You're forced to punt. Either you got to throw it away or you got to make some magic. I, Mike, you say you just got to make some shit happen. And that's what Gino hasn't done yet. He No, for real. He just hasn't done that yet. And this was the this was the perfect opportunity to do so. Yep. At home in Seattle, o- overtime, the Seahawks get their stop defensively. Okay, now it's the Seahawks' turn. Unfortunately, it just didn't go that way. And Gino knows that. I think he talked about it in the press, if I'm not mistaken. He's going to learn from He's going to get better. But he's – he literally had the opportunity to show, okay, I can be the guy to go down and give you guys a W, be the reason why the Seahawks won the game. And he hasn't been that guy quite yet. Yes, he's. there's been games where he might have handed it off to Kenneth Walker and they put the stamp and ended the game with a nice run, but he hasn't delivered that, ooh, Gino just went down and scored and there's only 10 seconds left. And that was his time to do it on Sunday against the Raiders. So that's something that I don't want to say is concerning, but that's something to keep in mind because you look at the schedule – he might be in a shootout against the 49ers. He might be in a shootout against the Chiefs. And if it comes down to, okay, Gino, the ball's in your hands, a minute 55, can you go down and score and win the game? That is still kind of up in the air. And at this rate, we're 12 weeks into the season. Granted, you haven't had to see it much because they're usually beating teams. But in this scenario, it was lined up perfectly for Gino to deliver. And I'm not saying that is the biggest problem, but it's definitely something that if you're a Seahawks fan, you should be thinking about. You should be thinking, okay, when are we going to see Gino do it? Because he, Gino even said there's going to be other opportunities where it arises. I hope it doesn't. I want you guys, I want the Seahawks to just blow teams out and and run the ball how they want to run it, be able to throw the ball when they need to throw it. You saw him after he threw a pick. What, is, what does Gino do? He responds well. He goes back down and makes plays. Again, in that fourth quarter and that overtime, you got to deliver. You got to be that guy that says, "Oh yeah, we win because of Gino." Yeah, that's yes. Yeah, I would, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't call it a concern, but it definitely, it's 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 the it's the missing thing from the the magical Gino season that this did. You know, this is the you know I ain't right back uh, season. You know, to give the season a nickname, uh, and that's the thing that's missing. It's that that. That signature, I guess what I'll, I'll call it, the signature drive. There's been some very good ones. They've, he's iced some games with his arm before, uh, for sure. But nothing like, hell, Derek Cardin done it two weeks in a row. Uh, yeah, and, good point, yeah. And, and he necessarily didn't, um, you know, go throw a game-winning touchdown uh, necessarily. But he's put his position, his team in position. You know, he's he went and tied the game at 30. That was huge. Yeah, the big time, big time drive. You know, so yeah, that that's the thing that's missing. But I think the main the, when I when I was leaving the press box, you know, or at least to go down to the locker room, I was like, man, I was rewatching the Josh Jacobs uh, walk off, 
uh, we got that for our YouTube viewers. Let me throw that in here. I was re-watching this play, and I was like, yo, this is pretty bad. Like, to go you – can, you can play it. Like, to go 86 yards, does anybody even touch him? I don't – does Josh Jones get a – I don't know if Josh Jones got a uh, – Finger. I can't on him, man. Like that's 86 yards untouched. And this is not a f- Josh Josh Jacobs ain't fast. What did he run at the combine? Probably four or five. Yeah, I'm a four four five guy. Four four, maybe. Eight, I don't even know if he was four four guy. He not very fast. The, the point being, like that, that's a pretty I was like, oof. Just a just a disastrous day, you know, for the for the defense. Hey, and, shout out that ref though. Look at my boy at the bottom of the screen. You see him, Mike? No, I'm holding on. I'm looking at the uh did Josh Jacobs even run at the combine? I don't even see a 40 time here. No, no, maybe he didn't. I don't know. Anyway, not too important. Uh, but yeah, that I was watching that and I was like, I don't know how the defense got back to this place against the run. That looked like the defense against the Raiders, or excuse me, against the Lions. That looked like the defense against the against the Saints, man. And the imagery was just crazy. I wrote about it after the game a little bit, too. You just see the Raiders just partying in the end zone. Uh, <laughs> and 100 yards away, I just see Clint Hurt just walking just by himself to the locker room. And it's just like, I really just wish I could have been inside that dude's head just to see that. Because that's because he got his his team is getting whipped up front. And that's yeah. where his that's you know, he's a D-line guy, you know, so he's that's got to be just super, super, super disappointing. But yeah, on the Geno front, that is the to nitpick a little bit. Uh, I t- I think the third down thing is a little bit bigger, but that goes to it, right? Because what happens in a game winning drive? You usually are throwing when the defense knows you're going to throw, right? Yeah. Which is essentially what a third and long is as well. It's just higher stakes in the you know in the closing game. But you got to be able to throw in those obvious throwing situations consistently, and it's not just you. Know, everything has to hold up. You know, the pass protection has to be consistent. This was a bad day uh, for for Abe and, and Abe Lucas in that regard. You know, go Cougs still, even though what happened over the weekend. Uh, but yeah, the, it all just speaks to the the some of the things that have put them at six and five, particularly those five losses. Those are those are those are things that if if not corrected, they will have you home. You know, by Martin Luther King Day on your couch, watching the NFL playoffs like the rest of us. Won't be no getting ready for no wild card trip or wild card game hosting because you won a division. No, no, no. The the things that they are struggling with right now, albeit correctable, um, and we'll get into some of that. Uh, oh, actually, I don't know if the pass rush stuff is correctable because uh, I don't think that's a scheme thing. But some of it is correctable, and it, it, if it's not corrected, those are things that will kill you because you know everybody doesn't have a fatal flaw. Some teams are just like not super great at a thing. Uh, and it's like, okay, what are the odds that that costs you a game? No, no, no. The Seahawks are bad at a couple things right now on the other side of the ball that will cost you games. Again, against teams, it doesn't have to be a good team. If you can't affect the passer, you'll lose to me, Chris, and and nine dudes off the street. You know, maybe maybe that's going too far. But you guys get get my point. You know, you, you let NFL quarterbacks stand back there and throw Nathan Peterman can carve your ass up. Like I'm not I'm not even joking on on that. Did Nathan Peterman play today? Or was it Trevor Simeon? I, I saw some tweets about Nathan Peterman when I woke up, and I was very confused. I don't even, man. I, I hey, shout out to him if he played. played. <laughs> I think it was Trevor Simeon. I don't know. It was it was the Bears, I, I, I believe. But yeah, that uh, I, I I think they're okay at six and five. Again, not panicky, but there there are some reasons to be like, hey man, we got to fix this shit. The other one, we'll get to the other one, which is being able to run the ball. Uh, but I think we got some questions in there. Uh, 
yeah about that let's let's do it let's do it yeah we might as well let's get the twitter questions we got quite a few and again we want to thank each and every one of you out there for taking the time to hit us up on twitter for questions we appreciate all the love and support so without further ado let's go ahead and get this thing going we'll start off with ben satterwaite is the defensive problems talent or coaching and it is it concerning to hear Pete basically say they weren't prepared to defend the run in back-to-back games? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought I was very concerned about what Pete said in that he basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, we basically sold out to stop Devonte from killing us, and it was, and we did that at the expense of you know some run stuff. And without watching the full game back, the way I hear that is we doubled Devonte and created some lighter boxes um, for them to run against. Which that makes a little bit of sense. The problem is when you're doing that against a team that has a fullback, um, that throws the math off even more. And you can see it on the game-winning run. You know, a team that has a fullback just means that you you not only do you have like a can you? I think on the fullback run or on the game winning run, they they're not in like that light box, but still, just that fullback is he eats up one of your linebackers right there. So really, your 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 numbers aren't in your favor, you know. When once they once they do that, and so I, I was a little concerned to hear that because that basically tells me that's like two weeks in a row that something like from the preparation slash coaching standpoint, like you were talking about earlier, Chris, is led to the 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 on-field product being less than 
satisfactory. You know, it was benching Brian Monet against the uh, Bucks in anticipation of a lot of quick game, not a lot of running. So you wanted some faster guys in there in the D line. So you bench your your backup nose tackle, and then you get run all over. Uh, you know, they basically pivoted from their game script and flipped the script on you. You know, and then this game, it's like you know what, seventeen ain't gonna kill us. Well, all right, they have another dude named number twenty eight. Or his name's not number 28, but you guys get my point. Like, I think that's those are two two avoidable things. The one, the Bucks thing, that's super avoidable for obvious reasons. You know, um, you just play Brian Monet and you play them, you play the Bucks straight up and, you know, expect your guys to go execute uh, instead of like leaning towards thinking they're going to quick game you to death. The other, the, the game here, I was kind of disappointed to hear that from Pete because because of the way Michael Jackson had been playing. To this point and because of the way Tariq Willen had been playing to this point I would have sold out if anything I wouldn't have overcompensated one way or the other but just in terms of building a game plan I would have just said you know what I trust 27 I trust 30 you know we're gonna stop this run and then when it's time to cover 17 I'm gonna trust Tariq I'm gonna trust Mike Jack like that's what that's what I would have done because of how well they had been playing I would have given them the benefit of the doubt basically especially because I would have known I would have thought if we stop 28, we're going to get in some obvious passing situations and then we're going to be able to maybe unleash our guys and then we can, you know, get creative with some of our stuff. And if we're unleash our pass rush guys, 27 and 30 don't have to cover 17 that long, you know? So that's why I would have did the plan that way. Um, instead, it was like, nah, nah, nah. We're going to dedicate some bodies to this Devontae Adams cat. He ain't going to kill us. Uh, it, it it hurt them a little bit. I just think they did that the, the, the wrong way. Not to say they were just like, we're going to let Josh run all over us. That was not the game plan. But the way they approached it, lent them, that made it a possibility. I would have not I would not have done it that way. Um, the good thing about that, I guess, is that it's correctable. You know, you don't play Josh Jacobs every week, just like you don't play John, Tom Brady every week. But you're not putting your guys in position to succeed. I don't think, you know, we, we talk, we use those phrases with coaches and sometimes we don't get into specifics of what that means. I think today was a, you know, example. I thought Tariq would have done just fine uh, against Devonte in some uh, obvious passing situations. Mike Jack did do well in a few obvious passing, um, you know, situations instead, you know, including the third down touchdown to uh, Foster. How do you say the tight end last name? Moreau. Moreau. The third down touchdown to him to tie the game, Mike Jack has Devontae bottled up. That's why Derek doesn't throw it there. Uh, oh, yeah, we do got that. Yeah, throw yeah, that guy. Put the wrong one in. Yeah, I'll throw it in one second. Yeah, so, like, Mike Jack, for our YouTube people, Chris going to put the, the, the on the screen. So, like, Mike Jack does his part, and he forces kind of Derek to go somewhere else, you know? And then on the, um, the third down that, what's his name, drops. I think the tight end is the one who has a drop on one of those third Foster downs. Foster yeah. Yeah, that's cover one, I want to say. And I think it's Mike Jack guarding Devontae in the slot. And he plays him well enough to the point that Derek goes somewhere else with the ball. So, I, you know, I would have trusted them a little bit more um, with that. So I think that was, uh, to answer uh, that, that question to start things off, I do think that was a little concerning because uh, it just seems like the the – the pre the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is what legitimately led up to the Sunday result. And it seems like it was avoidable in both the Bucks game uh and uh today against the Raiders. This one is from at BAM season. What's up with this two-man front? I get staying in cover six, but that leaves a lot of holes when teams are running the football. We'd rather see single high cover three. Yeah, so, so that 
that that that piggybacks. Uh, I, I think the the two man front. I think yeah, single high. Or they're talking about the two highs. Split two high safeties. Down. Yeah, which well, you you basically do that saying, hey, we're not going to give up nothing explosive over the top of us. Instead, at the sacrifice of potentially being outgapped in the run game. Not the craziest thing. There's plenty of ways to stop the run from a too high look. You know, the Rams have been pretty good at it the last few years, uh, and. Uh, whether they have Brandon Staley or you know whoever's coordinating the defense now down there in LA, you know, you can still do it. It just puts a lot of the onus on your defensive line, um, which to this point, at least before the Bucks game, those guys have been handling it. Shelby's been had been kicking ass. Al Woods, Brian Monet, Puna Ford, Q Jeff, you know, and they had some of them plays today. Um, it basically just says, hey, we trust our D line to handle this in the run game. We trust our linebackers, and if we need to. Our safeties can fit that run from, you know, from depth. They don't got to be right in there in that, that cover three single high stuff. Uh, today, that was just not the way to, to go about it. Uh, I think in part because, again, as a team running with the fullback, and their fullback is good, too. You remember him, Chris? He was actually the fullback in that game, I think, uh, with Cam Newton, when Cam Newton came here. Uh, in the uh, the Patriots game in 2020, and he threw for like 400, and then also ran for like another 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And it wasn't Cam that did all that too. It was like the uh, the, uh, the I think that was the fullback in that game. Now I'm not. Now I feel like I'm second guessing myself. I got I got to look it up. But uh, I think like anyway, even if that wasn't him, the fullback uh, he's he's a good one. And you look at again on that like for example the yeah I think that is him. Is his name Jakob? Yeah, Johnson or something. Yeah, yeah, that's him. yeah, yeah. He's he's legit. So I think the being like saying, "Hey, we can stop the run from too high," that is doable. You know, it's not like even a crazy plan. It just puts a lot of, again uh, on your D line and and your guys to win up front, and they just did not. They did not win up up front, and also they got really. This was a really inconsistent run fit game from the linebackers. That was they had some good plays, had some bad plays, and have good plays and have some bad plays. You know, like. Um, like the I, I will use Cody as an example uh, so you got there was the the fourth down stop on the sweep amazing play by Cody amazing play and then you got the the game winner uh, for the for the Raiders and then you got uh, Cody I'm not really sure where he was going on, on that play I don't know run fits all that well but I just feel like his, his key there is probably line or the excuse me the fullback and instead he runs it he he comes at it like they have like a single back run and it just leaves the the hole just wide open after uh, after jordan brooks takes on the fullback so it, it, inconsistent play good plays here bad plays there and then with, with run fits you out you out the wrong gap man it can just get ugly fast so yeah it's ah, man it's the too high thing isn't the problem. It's more it's the more the execution of it because there are teams defending the run from a too high look. Everybody ain't playing cover three across the league, you know, including the good teams that are uh, good at stopping the run. Today, like these guys just didn't they didn't get it done up front. And once you're not getting it done up front, it doesn't matter what the hell you know scheme you're running. This one comes from Ryan Turner at Turn Forty Four. In a lot of ways, besides 34 points, that might have been the worst game the Seahawks have played collective, except for Woolen. We know the physical skills are there, but how much growth have you seen since the Seahawks drafted him? Yeah, Tariq, uh, well, first off, Ryan, you can't just excuse 34 points. Like, the offense did play, generally speaking, played okay. Um, 
34 points. You should win with 34 points in a football game. Uh, but they had two chances to go in the game and they didn't get it done. That is the is the big issue. Uh, Tariq, though, Tariq's been really uh, impressing me with his, uh, his ball skills. You know, he didn't really have a lot of production on the ball in college. Part of that is because his arm was broken. Um, so he wasn't going to get a lot of interceptions with a cast on his arm. I think the two he did catch, he had a cast on his arm, which is like kind of crazy when you think about it because the cast he had was huge too, like freaking Mega Man or something like that. You know, it was it's, it's pretty nuts. But uh, the way he's the way he's been playing the ball, you know, whether it's short routes, deep routes, like he's just that's just been really impressive. He's also been really consistent too. If you look at it, Tariq is hardly like beat, you know, because he did some stupid shit, um, like. You look at the plays that he's given up, like the Mike Williams touchdown. Uh, it's just a good little rub from from them. The Zach Ertz one wasn't great. Like he he gonna want that one back. Uh, but I think generally speaking, if he if he's not busting a coverage or something like that, which you also don't see a lot of uh, from him outside of like that preseason game, if you're not seeing busts, he's staying with guys consistently, play in and play out. I think he did a good job on Devontae at the times they lined up. So yeah, Tariq. Tariq is a, I think he's still going to be a stud, which is good because I should have a Tariq Woolen story coming out here pretty soon. If he'd have played bad today, that would have just killed that. Um, thankfully, he did not. I just got to update some numbers. Uh, so shout out to you, uh, Tariq, because boy, that would have that would have sucked. This one comes from Stephen Collins at One Step Collins. Struggling to stop the run has been a common denominator in all of Seattle's losses from San Francisco, Jacobs on Sunday, Tampa Bay duo, Patterson, and even Taysom Hill. If you had to create a blame pie, what percentage of blame are you giving to defensive tackles, DNs, linebackers, and scheme slash coaching? Yeah, and on the blame pie, I'm, I'm giving a big, 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 big part to the, the coaching, I think. Um, because for the reasons I outlined for the last two games, I feel like that, that's pretty, you know, we've gone over that. But even you look at the first five weeks, guys still got to fit the stuff, right? So I, I'd probably say like 50% coaching though and in part of it is because if you look at what happened when they uh got good at stopping the run it was a it was a tweak by the coaches i.e basically admitting hey how we were doing this before was not putting you guys in position instead we need to kind of let loose need to let our d linemen loose that started in about week six so like you could tell how they were going about it for the first five weeks was not the, not probably not the right way to go about it. And you could tell with some of their fronts and stuff, those changed too. So you got that part happening. Then you got these last two weeks of explaining why the preparation wasn't right. So that how many games is that, Chris? That's let's see, five, seven. So that's seven of their eleven games. Just how they went, just how they approached it wasn't even right. So that's why I get 50% there. You, the guy still got to do it. I'd probably say like 25% then goes up front, uh, specifically with the just the, the, the D-line and stuff. And then the I'd probably say another 25% on the, you got your second level, your L, your LB guys. Because I, like I said, I just think they've, they've had some they've had some good plays and they had bad plays. And the bad plays by the LBs, when you see them, they're just, I feel like they're almost all touchdowns. You know, like, I feel like every time we talk about, like, a bad run fit or something like that this year, it's like a touchdown. Like, oh, this is very clearly a problem with a guy not being in the right gap or whatever. So, yeah, I would say 50% coach scheme whatever, probably about 25% D-line, and then 25% with your LBs. That's a lot, though. That's tough. Not good. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good at all. Our next one is from Mookie Alexander. Has Daryl Taylor been the biggest disappointment on the Seahawks defense this year? 
Yeah, Daryl's Daryl's lack of production is very surprising. Let me check Daryl's numbers here while we're on. So he's he's played in ten games. He missed a game. I didn't know that. Which game did Daryl miss? I can't remember. Um, anyway, he has only five quarterback hits for the year. That's not that's not saying much. Uh, he's got seven quarterback hurries, only twelve pressures. Yeah, these are these are some pretty underwhelming numbers. He's got three sacks. I think they're all strip sacks too, uh, which is actually quietly very impressive. Uh, but just it's it's not there. The consistency's not there. The production's not there. Like for example, you know, Uchenna has sixteen quarterback hits. You know, <laughs> Daryl has five. You know, they played in the same number of of games. Although I don't know why it says Daryl's only played in ten. I can't remember him missing a game. Either way, you guys get my point. The production's not there. I thought it would be there. Um, it's not a lot of one-on-one matchups that that are being won. Just the impact is just not there. You know, I I very rarely have watched the games this year and be like, man, fifty-two in blue or fifty-two in white is like legit. I felt like that against the Chargers. You know, felt like that against I think whatever he had another game where he had a strip sack. I think it was Arizona maybe. Um, so it's been there, but it's just been flashes. It hasn't been like consistent week to week to week. Uh, and that is that is very surprising. I just did not see that. He just looks so comfortable, you know, in the scheme last year. And his role hasn't changed that much. And so far, yeah, the impact's not there. I'd say that's that is ha- probably been the biggest, the biggest surprise in one way or the other, positive or negative. It, it's it's the lack of production that they're seeing from DT. This next one comes from Tough Guy Football. Is Clint hurt? He's on the hot seat, right? The defense regression is very concerning. Uh, no, I would I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say a hot seat. Uh, oh, it looks like Daryl didn't play against the Cardinals the second time. That's what it is. No, hot hot seat's too far, man. You got to give the guys the, the chances to go out there for the coaches. I mean, you got to give the guys a chance to go out there. All right, develop a plan. All right, did the plan work? No. All right, let's see if we can fix what went wrong. Because that's what coaching is, too. Coaches are problem solvers. You know, you got to have solutions to whatever the problems the offense presents, you know, or or defense either way. And we talked about that in previous podcasts. And that's why I was so high on the Seahawks for a few weeks there, because they were they had solutions for whatever the other team was trying to do to them. Yeah, they did. They had they had some really good solutions. And you can see a little bit of that in today's game, actually. You know, like, for example, I'll use Cody's uh, interception uh, or excuse me, uh, Quandre's second interception that play was set up because the Seahawks saw on film that the Raiders have a version of the tight end play that Jordan Brooks nearly intercepted against the Bucks. Uh, that play worked for the Bucks pretty much like it was open. The Seahawks saw that, saw that it was a vulnerability of theirs, knew that the Raiders were going to put that in, knew when to, you know, alert to it, you know, pre-snap. Cody saw it based on the stuff that the coaches had seen and coached them up on. He executes it perfectly, ends up in interception. Great, great job of preparing your guys, putting them in a position to succeed. They go out there and execute. Perfect. Uh, but then you have some of the other stuff we're talking about uh, where they're, you know, not a lot of missed tackles, run fits aren't there. So it's it's a little bit of both, which I would expect from uh, a first-time coordinator. Your team's going to have some games where they look great, probably. Your team is going to have some games where, the, you know, it looks like the other, the other coach out-coached you or whatever. That, that's going to happen. I wouldn't say hot seat. Hot seat is when that's considered. Either you have the worst defense in the league, which they don't, or you're consistently getting 
as these, these games are getting out coached, quote unquote, are stacking up. But I don't think we're at that point yet. Like they could very who they play next week? <laughs> the Panthers. They got the Panthers next week. Why did I think it was, it was some, I feel like I thought I was gonna be on the road this uh this next week. Uh oh no, yeah, yeah. They're playing the Rams. Oh, okay. On LA. I, I yeah. skipped the game. I had a, yeah, I had a feeling I was on the road this weekend. Uh, this next weekend, but yeah, like they could very easily shut down whoever the hell is starting for the Rams uh, at quarterback, shut down their run game, and we're like, oh, Clint Hurts got it again. So uh, I wouldn't say hot seat, but uh, I, I, I will say that this is another test in terms of finding the problems. Uh, you got you, your pass rush is a problem, your run D is a problem. Can you fix those things? Can you find solutions to what's what's killing you? If the answer is yes, uh, it'd be fine. If the answer is no, like if we're axing this after the, the Jets game or something, then we're, then we can have a, a more serious discussion. This next one is from Chris Leeper at Rosebug underscore twenty two. The defense clearly needs a full rebuild. Who are the keepers long term? Feels like there's so little talent. So he names, I guess, half the defense: Tariq Woolen, Nuosu, Daryl Taylor, Trey Brown, Quandre Diggs, Puna Ford, and. So, Mike, should they be a, looking for a full rebuild defensively? No, I don't think so. Let me look. See, uh, keepers. I, I see a lot of keepers on here when I go. To, I got the box score in my hand. If you look at, wondering what I'm looking down at on YouTube. Uh, Quandre, keeper. Ryan Neal, keeper. Uh, Tariq, keeper. Uh, let's see. Shelby, keeper. Jenna, keeper. Uh, yeah, no, Kobe, Brian, Keeper, Jordan Brooks, Keeper, you know, so I I think, I don't think there's anyone's like, yeah, you really got to upgrade um, from this dude. Like, obviously, they're probably not going to have Al Woods long term. I think Al's like 35. Same thing with Bruce Irvin, who's also, I think, 35. Uh, starting two 35-year-old guys on defense is pretty crazy now I think about it. Uh, but it just means you could... You you still they're still gonna have to dedicate some draft re, re, uh, resources on defense here coming up, but I do think they have a good foundation. Like there's a that's a lot of guys who are under like age 28, you know, who are gonna be nice in this little window here where they could be a really solid solid team. I don't think they need a full rebuild, but I do think we are seeing where the holes are. Like it's very clearly, for example, rushing the passer because that's. That's not. I mean, look at these. I got the the numbers pulled up. Like Uchenna has seven sacks. Great. He's 16 quarterback hits. Also really solid. 38 quarterback pressures. Also really solid. Press percentage at about 14%. All these numbers are very solid. No one else has more than three sacks. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Q Jeff has three. Puna has three. DT has three. And that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, other guys have some. Like, Cody has a couple. Big Al has a couple. Shelby has a couple. Boy, Mafe has two somehow. I don't know where that, that came from. Let me see. That can't be right. Oh, he has one, but then the other one is just Jimmy G falling down uh, for no gain. So, it counted as a sack. I think one of Cody's is like that, too, actually. Uh, so, the the yeah, they just need a pass rusher. Pretty bad. That's the short version of that. This one is from Joe Smith at jsmitty22. After the Giants game, it looked like the run D was solid. What changed against the Bucks and Raiders? And what can they do, if anything, to correct to, rec- to correct that? Yeah, they just got to start winning up, up front the point of attack a little better. And they also need to – they, they got to cut down on – so that's the main thing. Winning at the point of attack. 
you look at a lot of these runs, and Josh Jacobs in particular, he's so good, by the way. Josh Jacobs is very good. Uh, just, just, can I go into Josh Jacobs' little appreciation thing real quick? Why not? It'll tie into to a little bit to Ken Walker. Like, like for me personally, as a, just a kind of a fan of football, I would like the Josh Jacobs style of runner in that, like, he just, he is so north and south all the time and you can see it in his averages like he's average he averaged like 6.9 a pop today i think he averages like five or something like that for the you know for the year here i'll look it up while i'm talking but he he has a lot of like intermediate runs like josh jacobs for five josh jacobs for six josh jacobs for seven josh jacobs for eight oh and josh jacobs for 11 and you're not seeing it like he doesn't have a ton of long runs he's not like ken uh, he just like is always going forward, and you see that he had like nine first down runs today. The Seahawks only have five first down runs as a running back quarter the last two weeks. You know, like Josh consistently goes uh, forward a lot, and he he. I mean, part of that is he's hard to tackle, but like even today, like he had one where Puna Ford kind of wraps him up, and he like wiggles on top of Puna and picks up like an extra yard. Uh, he's just so good at that. Oh, wow. He leads the league in rushing now, too. Uh, let me see how many first down runs does Josh Jacobs have. He leads the league in first down runs with 67. You know who's second? I'll give you two guesses as who's that second. Mm. You're probably not going to get it, but... Saquon Barkley. Nope. Mm. Do, do, do. Another good rushing. Mm. Do, do, oh. Oh. Jalen Hurts. Oh, sorry. Only running backs. Running backs. Oh, damn. I feel like uh, I do not know. No. Jamal Williams of the Detroit Lions. 48 rushes for Jamal. I think he leads the league in touchdown rushes. So, like, yeah, he 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 goes forward a lot too. But Jamal has 48 first down runs, according to True Media, is what I'm looking at. That. Josh, Josh Jacobs has 20 more than him or 19 more than the guy in second place. Like, that just shows you how often he's just going forward. And I like that running style, and it really presents a lot of problems. Whereas Ken's kind of the opposite. He has a lot of negative runs and then has, like, big runs. You know, it's just like a boom or bust thing, whereas Josh is just kind of more consistently just giving you positive yardage. I just like that about how he how he runs and they won't face that every week so that's one reason why i think the run numbers will get better you know they'll play the panthers they'll play the rams uh who else they got uh the niners that could get ugly uh but even like the chiefs don't run it super you know like they can run it but that's not like their bag same thing with the jets you know like they can but that's not really their bag and then they play the rams again so like the overall run numbers these final six games will probably look okay today I just think that they it was a little bit of getting schemed up, but also like they went against like the perfect style of runner. I would love to have a guy like like Josh. I'm gonna say someone like Ken's style is bad. I'm saying for me personally, that's the that's what I would like. Get me first downs when I hand it to you. I don't need you to run for 70. Um, if you do, that's that's fine. But just get me first downs and I'll handle the rest. This next one is from JB. Our linebackers aren't good enough. I don't care how much <laughs> physical talent Brooks has. JB, fed up. <laughs> he ain't getting the job Sorry. done. Sorry. That's not a question. Am I crazy to think that? Yo, JB is fed up. Um, I, I, I understand the frustration with the with the linebacker uh, group. And I think 
this is one of those kind of natural growing pains that I really feel like people like I I think that those two can play fine like uh Jordan and Cody like I'm not even really nothing you can do about it now anyway but I do think like when they released Bobby I envisioned games like this you know not to, I don't want to toot my own horn necessarily on that and sound like an asshole but like I'm sure every a lot of people could like if you told me like you just tells me hey man you know the Seahawks cut Bobby Wagner did they sign in linebacker nope oh damn they're gonna have some problems <laughs> you know like that's not even that really a diss to the other two guys that just it's the impact of losing a guy like b wags you know granted the rams defense ain't like you know steel ass i don't know if they're ass necessarily you're right um, mike their offense is the bad is the problem yeah the, 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 yeah the, their offensive numbers are disgusting so i don't know i have, I have to go watch some more rams film. but you guys get my point there oh, that, we'll have jordan on that'll be fun oh that's, i need to ask jordan about coming on the pod on tuesday anyway I think that it's very fair to be frustrated with that with that group because the inconsistency in the youth does show where they have some amazing plays like Jordan has one he had one today man where he just takes on which, which lineman did he just just destroy I think it was I think it was Dylan Parham oh that's the rookie that's the rookie from like Memphis or something whatever his school wears blue I know that I remember him pre-draft like he just takes him on and smokes him and then Ann makes the tackle on Josh for like a gain of like three or four or something. Just a great play. Just uh, hits the block, uh, makes the play. And then you have other plays where, uh, like the game winner, for example, it's like, uh, take on the fullback, uh, then you don't get a hand on the guy. you know. And then it's just those, it's the give and take there. Linebacker's tough in today's game. You're in the run fit, you're in the pass uh, concept in every snap, you know, and that's tough. But you got to do it. It's the name of the game. And so I think that those guys being frustrated with them is very fair. There's nothing that's going to change about like that from a personnel standpoint. These are the two guys and you got to rock with it. Uh, but I think some of this is natural growing pains. This is what it is. You got, you got two young cat, Jordan 25. This is Cody's first time as a starter. They're going to have some great plays. They're going to have some bad plays. You know, uh, Cody, I think Cody's game today really just shows what that can look like. Cody has some amazing play. That fourth down stop was a great, it's a great play. That's a great game changing play, clutch situation, reads his keys, does his job. And you got the game winner where neither neither linebacker gets a hand on the running back. You know, so uh I don't even and so no, I think the question uh, to answer the question from JB, you're not tripping to think that. Like they the linebackers coach is probably is, is gonna be just as frustrated as you are watching that film. You know, either right now or Monday or whatever, because there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies in there that led to some big plays. This next one is from Stove Hawk. I, who is the ideal person the Seahawks should draft in 2023 or 24 to slowly overtake the role of an aging Quandre who is regressing week by week? Oof, there's a lot. There's a lot being insinuated in that question there. Um, we're all aging, by the way. I don't. I don't know what point, what age we all get. It gets decided that someone's aging. None of us are getting younger. Like, you know, we're all aging. Uh, Tariq Woolen is aging. You know, in in theory, uh, he's only getting older every day. He's gotten a few seconds older in the time since I've started talking. Uh, anyway, that's just a funny little phrase that people say that kind of throws me off. But I don't think. Quandre is regressing week by week. Chris, I think we're going to end up on this show ended up like sounding like Quandre apologists because I feel like 
every week it's it, it's somebody asking is he the worst safety in the world essentially and i'm it, it's it's our job to be like ah, i don't think he's had two interceptions on sunday I, he was in the right he knew it he was where he needed to be and made plays yeah i think he missed I one think, tackle <laughs> yeah i saw he missed a tackle on a toss um on like a third and fourth toss and then he got beat on the touchdown uh, by the running back. That's, that's just a straight up, you just got to, you know, guard your guy. I also think he had bad eyes on the game tying touchdown. You could tell like he's kind of like watching Devonte, and then the tight end just runs right behind him. And it looks like Jordan Brooks is cooked, but look where Jordan comes from for everybody who can see this on YouTube. Jordan's in the middle of the field and ends up covering a guy who ends up by the back pylon and they're not in man. You know, so like that's that's it should show you how kind of out of place that is. Goddamn, poor guy got took out on that. Uh, <laughs> whoever that was in the suit. Uh, no, I don't think he's to answer the question. I have not looked at draft safeties yet. Um, that's probably a position I'm probably not going to dive into until we get close to the, to to draft time or, you know, January, February, whatever. But I, I, I want to push back on the regressing every week. Uh, notion on Quandre like a lot of the plays he's either making or not making is, is pretty consistent from last year and the year before when he was a Pro Bowl guy uh, I just think that in this new scheme he's asked to do a little bit of different stuff you're not seeing a lot of single high post stuff but even then if you guys remember think about it there will be plenty of games consistently where you wouldn't hear anything like you wouldn't hear Quandre's name because he was doing his job you know, that's just kind of how it works. He's off the screen, taking away stuff. And you can see it here, too. You know, he's he had a lot of plays and coverage where, like, he does his job so the ball doesn't go there. Uh, safeties and corners have a lot of those plays that just don't make highlight reels or whatever. But, yeah, I think, Chris, today, tough crowd, man. You get two picks and people want to draft your replacement? God damn, Mr. NFL is a, is a tough biz, man. I know he had a, a couple bad plays today. But, like, as usual, here's what I usually say on Quandre. He's low on the list of things, you know, that when I was like looking through the game, I was like, huh, yeah. S number six didn't come up very high on the on the list of things of like that they gotta fix. Uh I think there are some things up front a little higher on the list. Not to say he was perfect enough, but you get what I'm saying. I'm rambling on Quandre now. But yeah, Chris, we're gonna be the official Quandre apologist here pretty soon. Uh which I'm fine with because I think the tape will show that. He's not nearly as 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 bad as it. I don't know. Are they talking about him on TV or something? Is that maybe why we're getting these? To be honest, I, I, I very rarely hear much when I watch the broadcast because I'm so locked in. So it's, you know, unless it's a clear, egregious, like, oh, he blew this, which like the Abdullah touchdown. That was one where, okay, he got beat there. Yeah, that, that, was, but, that was pretty clear. I didn't, I didn't know yeah, that. but that... Yeah, so no, I don't I don't recall the broadcast saying that he was playing terrible or having a bad day per se. I know he had a couple of rough plays here and there, but yeah, I get it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This next one is from Jerry Griesel. 
Did the Seahawks even try to pressure the quarterback on Sunday? Whew. Allegedly. <laughs> Not for I really that's one of those things I don't have much of a I don't want to say like sympathy or empathy is the word. That seems too heavy. But like when you can't when the numbers look as bad as they do, that just really is concerning to me. Because as much as now everything you only get so many chances to really rush the passer because there's screen passes, there's play action stuff. And it's like only so often do you truly like getting a drop back. Like the Seahawks, you get a lot of stuff because boy, the Seahawks don't really do a lot of play action at all. They just getting empty and then just let Geno just carve teams up, which is fine. It, it, yeah. it works. But like the Seahawks, on the other hand, teams do a really good job scheming them out of obvious pass rush opportunities, man. Like whether it's the Bucks or who else has been good at that? Uh, the Rams has been good at that in the past. The Niners have been really good at that, like not making sure that Jimmy G or making sure Jimmy G's not in harm's way a ton. Uh, the Chargers have been really good at that with Herbert. Like just not even just the quarterback. I'm just saying scheming up, you know, calling it, keeping the team out of whack. Uh, they've been doing a really teams have just consistently done a good job against them, and that is really concerning for me. The uh, but at the same time, I do think guys are just not winning their battles and i don't really that's that's tough and chris i don't i don't think they want to get into a place where they want to be blitzing a lot they're not a big blitzing team they're gonna have to get to that point here if they don't really turn it up against these these next few teams on the on the schedule it helps because they should be able to get to the panthers or get to sam Darnold or baker whoever the hell they're starting these days and they should be able to get to whoever the hell the rams are starting these days uh bryce perkins whoever that is um they should be able to get to him but if they can't yeah we're talking about some that's where you're gonna overhaul a, a position group if they can't get to those two dudes this next one is from tony k at karate k 84 i'm still waiting for Gino to have that fourth quarter game winning drive there was a stat posted so i'm not sure if this is 100 accurate but he's saying there's he or she is saying there's this stat posted that there was a zero points in the two-minute drill is it Gino's decision making or Waldron's play calling that needs fixing yeah so they don't have a they don't have a two-minute drill in in a fourth quarter this year where they uh scored any points that's probably uh, a legit stat uh they haven't had a ton of opportunities in that regard they've closed the door on some teams but haven't like had that 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 two-minute like drive I don't really think that's it's not a Geno thing because they've they've had situations like for example the Giants drive where they go like five plays 75 yards throw it the whole time uh and, and score like that was that was a fourth quarter drive I want to say or at least a second half drive it was all passes and they were able to you know make shit shake here hold on I'm about to pull up the let me pull up Geno's drive after the interception when did he throw an interception on that? Oh, on Sunday's game I guess yeah. no not Raiders yeah uh okay yeah here we go after the interception uh you got a six yard pass to dk and then they go empty and then throw another pass to dk and you go empty again empty you know no running backs just next day it's just only him back there you go empty you hit will disley again you run it and then there's a play action pass uh and you get a run uh, and then you get the td uh to lock it which i don't think was a, a play action i think that was just a traditional drop back so like they can 
they don't need necessarily a two i don't need it to be like a two minute situation because i know they can throw the ball uh but yeah it, it it is i am a little bit concerned as we talked about earlier that that just hasn't happened again they haven't had a ton of opportunities for it but yeah it's 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 not been looking good in that regard but I don't think it's because they Gino can't drop back and throw. Again, look at look at all the numbers Gino's been having these past few games. And it ain't just it ain't like he's doing it with the help of a run game. Gino threw for 328 yards today. Huh. <laughs> like he he was eaten, and that's without a run game. Ken had 14 for 26. Oof. That is that is awful. That man lost 13 yards on one run. Yeah, that was insane. 13 yards. I was telling brother, just go down, man. Where you going? Yeah, that 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 is that is pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, that is a funky stat though on a two minute thing. I can't believe when when you said it like pre uh, pre show. I was like, there's no way. We went look. Uh, it was uh, damn. I should have saved it, but it was. I want to say week. I just pull up the schedule right quick. Um. Because I remember what game was once I see the week. It would have been that last drive, obviously, when they went down to win it. So that would be do 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 do. Three. Yeah. So Falcons was well, they lost that one though, Mike. So the one, so the Lions, October second, because they ended up winning that game. Although it wasn't the quote unquote two minute. They win it because Gino won it with 15 seconds left and Detroit can't respond. But I'm thinking that was the game where he closed the door, per se. But against Atlanta, he did not win the game. He threw that interception. It was He was looking for Tyra Lockett, and it was third or third or fourth in a mile. I know that much. It was a long ways to go. He just threw it up, and that was intercepted, and that ended the game. But that was a chance there. September 25th against the Falcons had a chance to win the game, and it didn't happen. And then on Sunday against the Raiders, had a chance to close that deal, be the be the guy, be the reason why the Seahawks won, and obviously it didn't go that way. Although I do think today was less about what, what Gino could or could not do. I think when you have those two, when you have those sacks, man, and that pressure that Max Crosby's burning down, like pull up the, uh, for our YouTube people, pull up the Max Crosby like pressure that he gets on third and five in overtime. Yeah, our YouTube people can see it right now. Like this play, come on, man. Like Max just comes flying off the edge, and as soon as Gino gets to the top of his drop, he can't do nothing. And then you got third and ten, one in the fourth quarter. As soon as Gino gets to the top of his drop, Max Crosby's in his chin. Like I, there's nothing. I mean, Mahomes, Brady, like it's just so hard. That's where you need Russell Wilson escape prime Russell Wilson escapability to to get around those plays. Because when you're when you're right tackle, it's just getting getting beat by you know one of the best defensive players in football there's really not much you can do about it this one's from alex holden it seems like either dk is only given short routes or gino only hits him short he's one of the fastest guys in the league why isn't he stretching the field more well the other team knows he's fast too and what they are doing is they're playing off of him and they're doubling him and that's open stuff up for other guys um we talked we did a couple of film breakdowns we looked at that He's still getting his long ball shots, but teams are not. Look, man, how do I want to put this? Teams are scared, man. They ain't just lining up. They best corner with DK and saying, go be blessed. No help. No, no, man. Teams aren't doing that. You know why teams aren't doing that? 
because they have internet and they can see DK's highlights. And a lot of his highlights, especially the first two years of his career, are teams doing that shit. Saying, hey man, go guard DK. Yeah, come up there, press him up. Nah, he didn't really get no help like that unless he goes up in the middle. No, because Russ and DK were torching people on that. So now in year three of, D- is this year three for DK? Yeah. 20, 2019, 2020, 2020. this is year four. Look um, at that, suck at math, there it is. Yeah, it's year four for DK. In year four, teams have decided you're going to have to kill us underneath. Uh, and they're doing a good job of it. Um, for the most part. But yeah, other teams get paid too. Teams ain't just lining up against DK and saying, yep, beat us if you can, man. Hell nah, because they're trying to win. You know, so uh, if, if you notice, even the guys who do kill teams like that are the, like the great receivers in the league right now who are getting played in, the sim- in a similar fashion that DK is getting played. Look at the other ways the team's getting them the ball and ha- or how much their big plays come off yak. You know, look at Justin Jefferson gets a lot of yak. Devontae Adams does as well. Cooper Cup does as well. AJ Brown, I know Jamar Chase is hurt right now, but when he's in, he gets a lot of yak. And that's because teams aren't just letting them run by anybody. They got to get catch stuff, make people miss underneath. Like the, 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 the Seahawks are taking what the defense gives them. You know, that's not the problem. You know, DK is going to probably have like a thousand yards a season or whatever. We're going to have a decent season. But the reason you're not just seeing a bunch of go balls is because defensive coordinators get paid too. This next one is from Paul Todd at P Todd 62. Why did they continue to leave Abe Lucas one-on-one against Crosby after he was getting beaten pretty much all game? Yeah. And that's this, that question is why I'm glad we got the, the, the overtime clip, you know, in here for our YouTube folks. Like, after Abe got beat on the third and ten in regulation, right after the the, the overturned DK catch, the, C- the Seahawks staff they ain't no dummies. They got internet too. Well, actually they were there, so I don't need internet. But they said, you know what we're gonna do? We are going to chip Max Crosby the next time we get an obvious passing situation. What happened? They got third and five, and what does Noah Fant do? He's there, supposed to chip. Now this ain't a great chip. You know that's that's uh, I don't even know if I should call that. A chip. I'm not like a chip technique expert, but I did have some 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 people who know this a little better than me. I sent them this clip after the game. It was like, yeah, that it was like, yeah, Mike, that's not a good chip. He basically pushes Max and, and propels him around Abe, uh, and it just does not it does not work. He, that needed to be a legit double team or like a legit chip, and that just was not. But I'm not gonna say that's the coaching staff just leaving Abe out to dry. Like they they sent him help, you know. The help just did not help. You know. I mean, you know? damn! Look how far Max Crosby is off compared to everybody else in the D line. My man is like eight yards beyond to the left of wherever. Yeah, of he's other a wide and wide nine <laughs> alignment for my for, goodness. For sure, yeah. And he, and Noah's supposed to help there. He just doesn't help. But yeah, I, I wanted to put that clip in there just so people could see like it. It's not just, oh, the Seahawks just let Abe out, let, left their rookie tackle up there against Max and let him get barbecued. Nah, man, they tried to send help. Max. It worked. Yeah, no. That's, that's for, for, for the next question, that is what it is. Just an elite game-wrecking defensive lineman can do for your defense, by the way. Like, you can send help and it don't matter. That's what people keep asking what they should draft. A guy like that. Yeah. You have somebody like that. Because, boy, that dude is different. This one is from Tom, Mr. Tommy G-Man. 
Bearing in mind that saying goodbye to Russ and opting for picks was likely the correct answer, at what point does ownership start asking how viable is it to continue with Pete as a head coach given that the defense has been shaky the last four to five years? Uh, very viable, um, it turns out. Um, as long as they continue to draft well, it'll be viable as hell. That's the answer to that. Though I do, I do remember making this point to people. I think it was when the Seahawks were like, maybe like week five or six or something like that. And when Russ was really sticking it up, you know, over in Denver. And he, he's still sticking it up in Denver, which is nice. kind of crazy to see. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty disgusting over there. Hot yeah. ass over there, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Anyway, I bring that up to say that I was telling people like, guys, both teams might have lost the trade. You know, um, saying the Seahawks and the... Uh, the Broncos, the Broncos for obvious reasons, but at the time I was making the point that the Seahawks chose Pete, and in part in choosing Pete is like suggesting that you're going to have a good defense because you got this defensive mastermind. And at the time, their defense was garbage, so I was like, well, they fixed their offense by getting rid of Russ, <laughs> but by keeping their defensive mastermind head coach, their defense is still not good. So it's like no one really wins, uh, and. I still think the Seahawks won the trade, but that kind of puts it in perspective, though. Like, part of choosing Pete is choosing to also have a good defense. You know, like, he, he's your he's defensive guy. You let him pick the defensive coaches. He picks the kind of the philosophy, the scheme, and has his guys go implement it. Like, picking him should mean you're picking good defense. And, like, the person asking the question suggested, they haven't had an elite defense in, what, since, like, 2016 or something like that. That is, that's, that, that's pretty bad. Uh, but as long as they keep drafting well, though, it's going to be very viable to have, you know, Pete and John running the show. This one is from Jeff. If the Seahawks end up with a top three pick via Denver and either of the top two quarterbacks, Young or Stroud, are available for the Seahawks, should they take one of those guys, factoring how rare it is to be in that position? Uh, No. No. Don't take Bryce Young. Don't take CJ Stroud. I think... I think you, Gino's playing well enough. You can get by with a couple more years of that uh, as your guy. He's playing well. He played well today too. I think you know uh, Gino's playing playing fine. I still think he's like a Pro Bowl lock in the NFC. You know, which is crazy. I think he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. You know, uh, keep him. I think the 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 pick needs to be. I know people are curious about this too. What you do with the the first round pick if you're? Uh, what you do with Denver's first round pick? I think it almost has to be a defensive lineman. I don't care if it's a tackle, uh, but it. It should be somebody, put it this way, I'll apply the homie Shil Kapadia's two-minute rule here. Uh, Chris, if we, we talk about the two-minute rule on here? Yes. Yeah, I love the two-minute rule. The two-minute rule, as, as, as Shil defines it, uh, shout out to the homie Shil, uh, when you're assessing a player, ask yourself this before you take, or you spend like a great deal of assets on the player. In the last two minutes of a game and we're trying to win, will this guy be on the field? Uh, and the answer with like a run stuffing defensive tackle is probably no. Uh, but if the answer with the pass pressure, probably yes. Uh, so when it's winning time, is that guy on the field? And so I think that that's, that's a good rule to apply for the Seahawks. If they get like a top five pick, ask yourself this. In the two last two minutes of a game, either on offense or defense, if we're trying to win, is this guy on the field? The answer is yes. Take the guy. The answer is no because of his position. Don't take him. This next one comes from Katie Bourne at Big Swing Theory. So often we hear the expression of teams playing down to the level of their opponent. Do you believe that's really a thing? If so, could that explain the Hawks' performance these past two games? I do think that's a thing. I don't think that's what happened the last two weeks. 
they're never going to play down to a team with Tom Brady. Full stop. Doesn't matter. Does not. The other team has Tom Brady. People respect him in this game way too freaking much to play down to that. Uh, I don't think that's what happened with the Raiders. I do think that today just shows you that, you know, I would say every given Sunday, you know, anybody can win. And it's not just because it's any given Sunday. It's because any given Sunday, the other team could have blue chip players. You know, it's not like college where you can just legitimately have a roster that's better than every person on the other team's roster. And I feel like that. The Raiders ain't got but what, Chris, like four star players, five max, uh, like maximum, not Crosby. Uh, but you got Max Crosby, Devontae, Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr. Right? I'm missing anybody. Uh, yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah, those are their stars. Every team's mostly got a couple guys like that. It just depends on what position they're. I think we talked about this on the pre- on the preview pod with Tashawn. Everybody's got stars. It's just a matter of do those guys deliver every game, week in and week out. Uh, and the answer for the Raiders has been no. <laughs> uh, but this week that happened. You know, this I don't think they played down to the Raiders. They got they just their their stars up front balled out, and it just. I mean, yeah, it just it just worked out better for them. Those guys got busy. It wasn't just their stars. Number ninety-seven for the Raiders. Billings, yeah, uh, Billings and Bilal Nichols. They played great. Those guys mm-hmm. are not stars, but they played they played great. But I think that's that's part of it. people think it's playing down. Not every team's got a couple dudes like that. The Panthers have a couple dudes like that. The Panthers got J.C. Horn, that that defensive tackle that they've got. They got Brian Burns. They got D.J. Moore. If them four dudes play really well on any given Sunday, the Panthers can beat whoever the hell they want because those dudes are all nasty. Uh, so the Raiders are just built like that too. They have like three or four blue chip dudes. And when those dudes show up, they can beat anybody. Last one comes from at Fix Cards. With the second pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the uh, Seattle Seahawks select... The best pass rusher on the board. <laughs> Don't care who it is, man. Don't even care if it's the scheme. Just take them. Like that—that's what they need. It's—it just—it makes the game too hard for the other for the opponent when you're affecting the quarterback. Just look at it. Gino Gino was operating at a high level, pretty much most of the game. Max Crosby comes in, makes two plays, pretty much uh, one in overtime and one on uh, on in regulation, changes the game, gets his team off the field. By himself, pretty much. I think about that, Chris. He ain't getting no big time help on that third and ten. He just ran through Abe Lucas. That's it. He ain't getting no big time help really on third and five. He just blew by uh, the chip and then Abe Lucas and it got to Gino. You know, he didn't need the other ten guys really doing shit. You know, draft a dude like that uh, with your first pick. You know, and then use the next pick on Dayon Henley from Wazoo. Go Cougs. Hey, there you go. Yeah, we can get the get the coup there. I know the result didn't go the way we wanted, but number one for the Cougs, yeah. That's a he's guy. A problem. Who, he's a guy who can play on Sundays, man. That's a guy that's a top 100 player, I think, in terms of inside linebacker. You know, I'm a little biased, but you know, people keep asking us about the linebackers. He was number number one for uh for Wazoo. You know, keep him around, just keep him in state, just saying, just throwing that out there. Potential. Yeah. Well, look, that was another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We want to thank you guys for all the Twitter questions. We appreciate all the love and support. We'll come back later this week, so Wednesday, with a preview of the low 
Los Angeles Rams. Poor Jordan. That team won a Super Bowl, and this team ain't sniffing the playoffs this season. So that is Did they wild. Lose huh? Did they lose again? Yes, they, they are three and eight. Oh, they played the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Yes, that's they were going to lose, but it's it's crazy to see that that they're actually three and eight. Uh, yeah, that's bad. We got to figure out. We got to talk to. I, I got to hit up Jordan, make sure she can get on the show. Uh, I don't want to do it, guys. The team sucks. Yeah, it's not. That's not good. First time playing against Bobby Wagner, though. Yeah, I hope he has a good game. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's rough, man. Seahawks are in a good. Seahawks are in a not good spot. Um, they just got to fix some things, man. Yeah, they got. They got. They got. This they was got this was the game that on the schedule. Like they should win this game. The Raiders. They don't play good football. Look at that. All three of us picked the Raiders to win, and we were all wrong. I'm still yeah. right with the Seahawks, though. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you now, I'm picking the Rams to lose. So there it is. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I, uh, I... <laughs> sometimes it does take that wake-up call, you know. Uh, it, it was getting run on by Taysom Hill. That was the wake-up uh, in week five, maybe getting run on by Josh for 200 gazillion freaking yards. Uh, maybe that. Maybe that'll do it. That'll be the, the thing that gets guys to all right. This shit stops today. Yeah. We'll see. If not, they lose to the Rams next week. It's going to be even worse. Even worse. Bro. Damn. They lose to the Rams, man. That that would be bad. But I don't think they will. I don't, what I tell you, Mike? I'm done picking against them boys. <laughs> I, I might be 0-6, 0-7 for the rest of the year if they lose every game. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm picking them to win. Well, we'll catch you guys later. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll talk to you later. Peace out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.